Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together, and we ask that you'll touch each heart here, that our minds will be open to learn new ways of sharing Christ, and that we can not only be helped here, but we can learn to be mentors and helping others. And we thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bless the teacher, too. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your prayer. Since we have so much to cover today, I'm going to just spend a very uh, short moment with you to just go over Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. If you have your syllabus, you can turn to possibly the third page where I have a diagram. It looks something like this. It says, image of God. Basically, when you look at the image of God, there are two sides in the image of God. Verse 26, and those of you who have gone through the class yesterday, you can just kind of, you know, resonate with me. Uh, verse 26 and verse 27. And together, complementarily, uh, they truly depict the, the wholeness about the image of God. And then, if you look at verse 26, verse 26 basically tell us that God's image has to do with plurality. Because let us make men, you know, in our likeness, in our images, right? And so then plurality of God really tells us that God's image has to do with bringing people together. It has to do with uh, connectedness, I call it. It has to do with, um, you know, being so-called collectivistic. It's almost like, uh, almost like Asian culture, you know. Have you ever tried sticky rice? Okay. And that allows you to be kind of sticky with each other. <laughs> In a way that you become, you become really glued and bonded, you know, bonded. And so verse 26 is really about, I call it, bringing re-identity we identity in that you come to learn to bond and God has created us in his image in that you and I are created to what to be to be connected to be connected so to be connected is what makes us to be human and uh, and that's why when we are not connected to one another what happens to us we get isolated, and then what? We feel empty, and then you know you feel like there's missing something, missing in your life, and we get disoriented. We start complaining, and all those things happen in our lives. You know, we become um, less than being a whole person. You know, uh, so wellness, human wellness, is something that you and I can experience when we become bonded, when we know how to connect. So, so I want you to know that. You know what? I am spending my entire life span learning and knowing and experiencing and teaching people how to what? How to connect. Do you know how many people do not know how to connect? We do not know how to connect. Sometimes we think we know, but that's not the way to connect. You see? And so there's a healthy way to connect. And then what makes it really powerful about God is that God shows us the model as to what? What it means to connect. Because God is the God of connection. God is the God of bonding. Okay? 
So human illness, I would say, even addictions, human illness and even addiction can be cured when people are genuinely connected to one another. See, connection is so important. It provides healing in the lives of people. And it is when you and I get connected, we become human being the way God has designed us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I, I want you and I to be extremely interested in what it means to be connected. So for me to be connected with my wife is so important. You know, into a couple of years, five years into our marriage, my wife came up to me and said, Honey, my wife is a wonderful lady, came up to me and said, Honey, when was the last time you and I had a heart-to-heart -heart dialogue? Wow. Honey, I'm lonely. I couldn't understand that. Because my, my point of view was like, honey, we live together, we married, we married, and we live together, we had three kids together, we eat together, we sleep together. What more do you want? <laughs> I, said, I said, true, you're so lucky. <laughs> but little did I know what her heart was yearning after. You know how long it took for me to learn what it means to bond, what it means to connect in a way that she would truly feel being connected. It took me long, but more than 10 years. I was in total ignorance and darkness as to what it means to connect. And so I want to share some of that today. Are you ready to hear that? Yeah, I would love to share that. Um, we don't have time to talk about this whole area of bonding. This this another series on its own. But I'm going to give you a book that is one of the most powerful books I ever read outside of the Bible. It's, it's written by, uh, you know, Henley Clouds. Henley Clouds. Clouds, <laughs> C-L-O-U-D-S. Henley Clouds wrote a book called Changes That Heal. Is one of the most powerful books I ever read in the issue of bonding. And then verse 27, it says, and then what's interesting is that, you know what? I want you to be bonded, but then I want you to be bonded in such a way that it would leave room while we pursue after togetherness. You need to make sure that you have, you, you have enough room for self-identity. We identity needs to leave room for self-identity, vice versa. If you're so together and there's no room for yourself to be who you are, then it's not healthy, it's suffocating, it's uh, intoxicating, it's uh, codependent and all that. It's weakening, it's not empowering, it's not representing the picture of God, image of God in a rightful way. And so Jesus, you know, the, you know in verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And then he created what? Man, Adam, and Eve. There began the human tragedy, right? <laughs> you know, Adam and Eve. Why in the world God created Adam and Eve? We talked about it yesterday. Instead of Adam and Adam or Adam and Adam Jr. That would have made it a lot easier. <laughs> 
but he created Adam and Eve, two different species, two different uh, human beings, and uh, with, with two different gender. Uh, and we will learn today that even the way our brain is wired is different between man and woman. And that's why we, we, we use the same language. We think we're using the same language, but we're not what? Communicating. So much so that, you know, John Gray wrote a book called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Mm -mm. Good book. Good book. Good book. So I want to tell you this. Why in the world, that's the subject for today. Why in the world God has created human being in order to reflect his togetherness, his collectivism. He created human being in such a way that we become man and woman. In other words, why in the world God created two differentiated beings to reflect his image of oneness? So then we learned yesterday that oneness is not something that can be wrought, that, that are called to be wrought by conformity, but by diversity. That's what we learned yesterday. So much so that, that we have such a hard time understanding each other, right? And then how many of you uh, have people come over you and said, you know what, my wife and I, we're so different. So much so that we can't be together anymore. And then what would you say to them? Learning, learning from the image of God. What would you say to them? Pardon? Meant to be different. And not only that, going even further. We're designed to be different. According to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, for God to made us to be, for us to be different is part of the image of God. Why? Let me ask you why. Why are we created so differently? Because we all have a different role to play. Okay. Why do you think God the Father is not the Son of Jesus and Son of Jesus is not the Holy Spirit? And even though they are one as Godhead in quality, but as an individual, as, as one with personality, they all have distinctive person. They are all dis differentiated. Why? Why? I, yes, I, well, I thought about it and I came to realize that you know what? For God to create us to be different is part of God's design of maximizing what beauty is all about. In other words, you look at the trees. All the leaves seem to be looking the same, but when you look close, none of the leaves are the same. None of the leaves are directed in the same way. All have different directions, shaped a little bit differently from one another. All the fingerprints are different. All the snowflakes have, have different shapes and so forth. Beauty is in diversity. So then for you and I to be different as men and women should not, ought not, it was not designed by God to cause trouble or hardship or any agonizing experience in our lives. It was designed by God 
for beauty. Then what happens to all of us is that what God has made beautiful, we made it ugly because of sin. But it was meant to be beautiful. What do you think is most beautiful thing in the whole universe? Is when two differentiated individuals come together and work out in their relationship through chiseling and, and well, you know, I've been married for, for the past 31 years. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> you know, we have scars and bruises. And <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy to stay together, let alone to make it beautiful. Oh boy, marriage can be ugly, if you know what I'm talking about. We had some ugly moments, even in our relationship. I couldn't believe how ugly I could make it. Whoa. But through the grace of God, through the word of God, through the transforming power of God, through the Holy Spirit, we make, God makes it beautiful. So that conclusion of meditating on the image of God clearly tells me that God is beautiful. Why? Why is he beautiful? Why is he beautiful? Why? Because Sometimes I ask questions because I just want to hear what I want to hear. <laughs> and you know, God is beautiful because their relationship is so beautiful. God is a beautiful person, knows how to make it beautiful. And God is assuring us, you and I, how, how, how ugly it may get from time to time. This is my appeal to you. From my 30 to 31 years of marriage, 31 years of working through this, I, I want to tell you today that I'm so excited to be with you to know that what sin made it ugly, God can restore it in such a way that he can make it beautiful once again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because you and I are designed to be part of that beauty. And so that people look at you and say, so-and-so has such a beautiful relationship. And then they, they, they can transcend and to see the beauty of God in them. How many of you desire for your relationship, no matter how it has been, no matter what has gone through, from now on is the important important part, right? What has gone, what has done, already done, what has gone, already gone. But did you know that God is not the God of the past to begin with? God is not the God of the future to begin with, but God is the God of the present to begin with. Genesis, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, I am, and I was, and I will be. You know, he's the God of I am now. Now is the time for salvation and grace of God. So with that in mind, let's, let's study today about the gender 
different. So God has made it beautiful. And so then, as a man, it is our job to understand how I am created differently than my wife. And it is my job to understand the psychology of my wife. Because when you do, your life gets easier. You don't even need to cook. You don't even need to do the dishes, you know. <laughs> if you understand her psychology, allow your heart to join with her, then she's going to treat you like a king. Vice versa, vice versa. Woman needs to learn how man's psychology is wired up to be. Then you know how to be intimate with them in a way that's meaningful and powerful. So with the remainder of time, let's do this. Our brain is wired differently. <laughs> when I said that our brain is wired differently, we're talking about 80% of men, 80% of men, 20% of women, 20% of men may categorize themselves joining with the uh, woman's brain, so to speak. And I do not know, I do not know for sure how much percentage of it is really done by the creation of God or how much of it is done by human conditioning. I'm not here to argue about it, but it is generally, when you make a general statement, I know you're, you're like, uh, you know, creating a room for exception. But from our study, we came to realize that man and woman's brain is wired differently in general. When you look at man's brain, I want, I want ladies to answer. When you look at man's brain, there's a left brain and right brain. And we're kind of simplifying it. And there's a connecting link between the two. And you can see that there's a what? Few connections that are made between left brain and right brain. If this is the way that God has designed man to be in terms of strength, what do you see in man's brain when it comes to strength? They can only work on one at a time. That sort of explains, right? That sort of explains, right? Okay, what else? They get a lot done. They get a lot done because they're what? Very... Focus, okay. They're so focused, sometimes they forget, they forgot about you, right? <laughs> okay, what else, what else you see? What else you see in terms of ability? Man, you, you already said it in a way. Okay, so we already talked about that. Okay, yeah. so, okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay, when you look at, okay, we're going to talk about that. When you look at woman's brain, moving on. What do you see, the difference? It's like a what? Spider web, right? <laughs> it's like a spider web, right? So, so I want men to have a chance to answer as to the strength that God might have made them to be in terms of the way their brain is wired. Anybody? Multitasking at its core. Multitasking at its core, okay. While they're cooking, and they can pray, and they can think about, you know, other things. It's kind of a dangerous thing. You haven't had an accident, you know, cooking. God is with you. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? In other words, in other words women experience things more holistically than man does, right? And, and then it tends to drive the man go. <laughs> and so man tends to tell the woman, you what? You think too much, you know. 
you worry about it so much, you know, and, and so on. But anyway, man's brain is wired, if, it, if they are wired this way, they are wired to have to separate. They are able to separate. While women are able to what? Connect. That's a major difference between man and woman. And with that in mind, let's go to our study today. Men are able to separate, women are able to connect. And therefore, man can go to the war and then focus on the war while his baby is being breastfed. He doesn't think of, oh, it's a time for him to be fed or her to be fed, right? Man doesn't think that way. Men are able to separate and be able to focus on one thing at a time. Women are able to connect, and therefore, a lot more things get triggered when it, when it comes to woman's brain, right? You know what I mean? When they hear things, with they sing things, a lot of things get triggered. And one time, one lady tells her boyfriend, she, made, she said a lie, that she loves to go hunting <laughs> when it's not <laughs> because he loves go hunting so they went hunting together and then he was able to you know really gaze into this deer that they were about to hunt and then he, she, he said okay you just need to trigger then it's going to be done so she got that gun and she was trying to like point the finger and her, her fingers started to like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tremble. And then she looked at that, that deer and then she started to cry. Because she thought about, I don't know if you know, she thought about the movie called Bambi. <laughs> Somehow she made that connection. Her brain was able to make that connection. And what if this is Bambi's mother? <laughs> What's going to happen to her child? <laughs> you know, I don't want to kill her. So that was the end of hunting career. <laughs> and because women are able to connect. Almost to a point where, for a man, since we are able to separate, let's say, color of the floor, color of the carpet, and color of the world doesn't match. Okay. For men, <laughs> it doesn't affect their level of appetite. They can just focus on eating. <laughs> but for a woman, what happens? They get bothered, and then some woman tells me, I, I don't know if it's true or not, some woman tells me that uh, if, the, if the, you know, uh, the, the pictures on the wall is crooked, then it makes them feel like they're crooked. <laughs> their, their life is not going to be corrected unless they go and what? <laughs> Fix that. <laughs> Fix that. Why? Because women are created in such a way that their brain is wired to connect with everything else that goes on. Mm-hmm. How many men in this room had an experience in your relationship with your wife where you have a problem, you think that you have a problem with her exaggerating things? Let me explain. Like, one time my wife came up to me, like, in five years into our marriage, and looking back, first five years was the most difficult one. Because I came from Korea, 
She grew up in the United States at, from the age of eight. And I often tell a joke to people that we both got married and we both got cheated by each other. Meaning that I thought she was more Korean than she was. <laughs> and she thought I was more American than I was. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. And so, you know, we had, we had a lot of conflict. We had a lot of issues to deal with. And then my wife would come up to me and said, Honey, you were never ever there for me when I really, really needed you. Have you ever heard that? In your oh, you, all of you guys are great husbands. Okay. You, you heard that? You heard that? Okay, so I'm not alone. Okay. So when I heard that, okay, what do I think in man's brain? Hmm? Yeah, not only failure, but I felt like, well, that's not true. What do you mean? I was there most of the time. At least I was there at least 50% of the time. <laughs> Since woman's brain is so well connected, they experience things as if at that moment. You see? She was not giving me a statistic on things, but she was like feeling at that moment. That's how, it fe how she felt, like, as if I was never ever there for her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. because, because women are able to connect things and they're so, so they're experiencing it like more vividly and more intensely than you would do when it comes to certain situations. And that's not the time to fight against her in terms of statistics. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then well, men are goal-oriented, women are, because of man's ability to separate, men are goal-oriented and they go like a hunting dog. And then how many of you love go, uh, you know, shopping with your wife as men? How many men love going shopping with your wife? You do? Well, you're, you're either a born again man or, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> I remember going shopping with her, and whenever I go shopping, the first time when I went shopping with her, I said to myself, okay, honey, what do you need to buy? Right. And then my wife says, oh, I need to go and find out. <laughs> and then I would go like, why go there, okay? You got to figure out what you want to buy and then go. And, and then we go, honey, you said you need the blouse or something, right? White blouse or something. Oh, yeah, I kind of need that. So then I knew what to look for, right? So I went as a good husband. I went and looked for the blouse. What is your size? Look for things. And gave it, tried to give it to her. A couple of them gave it to her. Why? Why? Because I want to get it done and then come home and read the Bible and pray, right? <laughs> and so, and she tried all of that, and then she said, oh, no, I got to try a little bit more. And then we stopped by looking at the mannequin, and then eat some ice cream. And then I found myself starting to memorize the scripture. Here are the patience of the saints. <laughs> And then after two, two hours of shopping, what made me crazy was that she came back to the what? Same. First spot where she tried, and then she bought one of the clothes. It's like, oh, I just wasted two hours.
And then after that new uh, sale comes up, and then what happened? She goes and return what she bought. <laughs> so for man, shopping is what? Shopping. For woman, shopping is what? Sha and ping never comes. <laughs> so for a man, shopping is a goal. For a woman, shopping is a process. It's a process. Even sexuality, for man, sexuality is a goal. But for a woman, is a what? Process. Because of the way that her brain is wired. We are wired differently. We process things differently. How many of you, like ladies, before you go to sleep, you need to talk to your husband? And then when you find your husband lying down, as soon as he lie down, you know, hit the pillow, what happened to him? He's gone with the Lord, right? <laughs> and then you have a hard time going to sleep, right? And then you're like figuring out whether or not you should wake him up or kill him. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know, what do I do with this man, you know? <laughs> so woman has a lot to process. In a day, woman needs to share 35,000 words. 35,000 words. It depends. It depends. But man only needs to speak what? How many words? 10. 10. <laughs> 15,000 words. Then 15,000 words. 30, 30 or 35,000. Yeah. My wife is 35,000. <laughs> and so this is what happened. Before we go to sleep, before we go to sleep now, having learned what it means to connect and love, this is what I do. I don't fall asleep. I don't lie down. If I lie down, then it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a sin. It's a sin. If I lie down, it's a sin. So I stay up, and then I keep my eyelid up like that. And then it's something about women. They take a long time to come to the bed. They have to... They have to do some, you know, persecution. <laughs> they have to do those things, and I'm waiting like as Jesus comes, you know. And then finally, here comes Jesus. And then I ask her, hey, how are you? And then funny thing happens, right? Whenever you ask her, how are you? She said, fine, have, well, I had a great day, let's sleep. No. She has a lot to talk about. <laughs> You know, I went to Korea. I went to Korea. You see, life is fun in that way. Life is fun in that way. I went to Korea with my, uh, with my son. And, you know, we had shopping, we did all kinds of things. It was so much fun. At the end of the day, we went into the same room. I was sleeping, uh, you know, hard floor, and he was sleeping on the bed. I asked him, how was it? Great. How was it, Dad? Great. Are you tired? Yes. Are you tired, Dad? I'm tired. And then we said, let's go to sleep. <laughs> and then as soon as we said that, <sighs> and the next year I went to the same place with my daughter, and then I asked the same question, and she referred me to back, yeah, I had a great time, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, honey, let's, you know, let's go to sleep. And she said, Teddy, I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> You almost need to kind of laugh about it. 
You see, the, reason, the, the point I'm trying to make as, I, as we discuss about the difference between man and woman is that unless I have the agape love of God, I will not be able to be present with my wife in a way that she needs and enjoy her. What if I'm sitting and thinking that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life? <laughs> you know what I mean? So really, God has made us so differently in such a way that only way it's going to work is when you and I bring unselfish heart to each other. And that way, He transforms our lives our hearts. Amen? Amen. But the question is, who's going to start that? Can we say that one month, I'm going to start that next month? No, it's not going to work like that. I'm going to talk about that. Men are focused on the future, while women are deeper into the present. I talked about that. When they feel sad, when they feel, when women feel sad and bad and whatnot, then they go deeper into it, and then it is man's role to what? Yes, but before you bring them out, you need to dwell with them, first of all. Because men are, like I, I said later on, men are from Home Depot. <laughs> Did you know that? Men are from Home Depot, so we are into fixing things. So when my wife said that, you know, honey, I'm so lonely. You know how did I fix her? I took out a ranch. <laughs> I took out a ranch, and then this is what I actually literally did. And when I think about it, I was just so <laughs> ignorant. And this is what I said to my wife, thinking that it would fix her. I said, honey, I'm going to fix you, okay? Watch me very carefully. And I said, honey... Don't feel lonely. <laughs> she said, don't feel lonely. And then she goes, honey, that makes me feel lonely here. <laughs> Men are from Home Depot, so we try to fixing things. My wife says, I'm tired. That's why I told you not to work and blah, blah, blah. But we're not to fix them. We're here to what? Listen. Do you know how hard it is for a man to listen to his wife? It takes a born-again man. I'm telling you. Because ladies come to me, so many ladies come to me, Pastor, you know, doctor, the only thing I expect from my husband is just to listen to me, understand me a little bit. And I said, you know what? It takes a born-again man to do that. You're asking for your husband to be transformed you know you know I'm a counselor but I had a hard time listening to my wife <laughs> not that she's a woman of complaint and all that my wife is a wonderful lady better than I am my kids are better than I am I'm the most broken person in my family I'm, I'm being honest about it and so at least our family is progressing really well <laughs> It's God's mercy, okay? We need to think that way. We need to think that our children are better than us. If God gives you that thought, that, whoa, I'm like given with the treasures of God, then your relationship with them will change. But if you still think that, oh, 
What on earth this baby come from? What, you know, <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> then, then we're going to be in big trouble. So my wife and I, you know, great marriage, but I had a hard time listening to her, because, especially when she brought up things of the past. Woman has a tendency to remember everything. Everything. Why? Because they experience it holistically like that. But like the way their brain was wired. So one day, I was coming home. That was a time when my wife was really sick. My wife was really sick. Um, I was coming home and I felt like Holy Spirit was telling me that, you know what, when you go home, don't take off your counselor's hat. He said, when you wear a counselor's hat, you can listen to anything and you're not gonna re you don't react to it. You don't take it personal. You become a saint. But why don't you do that to your wife tonight? You see, Holy Spirit was preparing me. Little did I know what was coming. I went home, I was about to take up my hat, and I was reminded that I need to keep it on. I went inside, we had dinner, and then my wife came up to me. Tomorrow you're gonna learn different personalities. It's going to be fascinating. She came up to me and said, Henny, honey, I have something to talk to you about. <laughs> then I knew that I, I would be in it for something really serious. And that night, she started talking. She started bringing up the unresolved issues of the past. You know, it happened like 20 years ago. And she was like telling me all that. And then I was very, very uh, tempted to stop her or, you know, just, uh, just uh, respond to her in a way that would be interfering all that. But then Holy Spirit kept telling me, listen to her till the end. I listened and listened and listened and listened. I spent literally a couple of hours, three, four hours listening to her. It was the Holy Spirit. After listening to her fully, I, was, I realized that I was invited to her own chamber of heart. I was actually understanding her heart and her agony, her emptiness and loneliness. And at that moment, I was holding onto her hands, okay, and I said, honey, and I was, a bit, I was ready to tear up already, and I was holding on to her, and I said, Honey, it's okay for you to remain sick, but just don't die. Just don't die on me. Because my mother died. She was 42. My mother died when she was 41. I didn't want my father's history to be repeated in my family so that my kids have to deal with not having mother and all that. So I was really meaning it. I was telling her, honey, it's just okay to be sick, but don't die. Oh, with that tears, the drops of tears like gushing down. And then guess what? She was getting better. She started to get better. When I gave her the permission to, be, to remain sick, she started getting better. And she got so better, our church got so excited, we put on a, a softball game. And then, 
you know, they gave the ball to her really well. She hit the ball, almost home run. She was running and running, and what happened? She fell down and hurt her ankle, and now she's bedridden. <laughs> I'm not trying to say my wife is a difficult lady. But the trick is that my wife won't get better unless I learn to serve her with joy, even though it's extremely difficult. Because woman knows everything. You remember? Woman knows everything. So my wife asked me, can you bring water? So I was bringing water deep inside. I had a little bit of agitation, a little bit of resentment. How long is it going to take for her to get better? I was still 43, still had a long life to live. <laughs> I had a little bit of that agitation within me. And of course, I didn't express it. And then as I was getting close to her, I just kind of, kind of dropped the cup like this. She sensed it. She's like, honey, you want me to die, huh? <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I meant. And so I brought charcoal. I went and, you know, SDA people, anything happened, you make charcoal, right? Charcoal, <laughs> charcoal patch for everything. So, so, so I, I made charcoal patch and I knew that she was going to needing it for a long time so I made a big patch and I made a big mess I looked like a guy came out of mine or something and then I made charcoal and then applied to her and then next day the time came around and then she said oh I need a new one and then I brought the new one right away and then she goes honey how, how come you made it so fast and oh I already made quite a bit and then she goes you know what charcoal doesn't work very well unless you make it right there Because my wife is a very exact kind of person, where I'm kind of easygoing. And th at that moment, I had a choice to make. Yeah, or I, or I would say, you know, honey, um, it is God who brings healing, not charcoal. <laughs> or I could reason it out, I could justify and all that. But you know what? I went and made another charcoal, brought it to her. I'm telling you. This is my conclusion. We'll talk about that. Our love for each other during the course of marriage, Holy Spirit needs to work in our lives in such a way that Holy Spirit needs to purify our hearts to be able to bring the kind of love that would bring healing to each other. My love needs to be purified. It's found in Ephesians chapter uh, 5. Moving on, moving on, we're, we're going to come back to the, to the part. Men are activity-oriented, women are shared dialogue, men are visual, women are audio. We all know that, right? Men are visual, so they are, they are really affected by what they see. And then they did a study on a thousand men and asking a question about how many of, whether or not how many of them are affected by you know, a beautiful woman coming down to the train station and then going home and then having to pray God to, you know, asking him to uh, read of that image of her. And 90% of Christian men said that they, they were affected. And then 10% of Christian men said that they weren't when they did. So, <laughs> so that says it. Women are audio. Women are audio. They are, they are affected and they are excited by hearing things, right? And so when you look at Song of Solomon's chapter 1, Solomon 
doesn't go to her and try to touch her or whatnot, but she gets what really audio. She she talks to her, you're a beautiful person, and she he says something like, Your hair start from starting from the hair. Don't don't use use Solomon's words, I mean directly. <laughs> because Solomon goes, Your hair your hair is like a goat's hair. <laughs> you know, your neck is like a deer's neck or whatnot. So, you know, so you become very descriptive and poetic, and then that's how woman gets excited. You know, that's so important in that I want to tell you something. In marriage, how many of you are married? How many of you are married? Okay, okay, that's fine. And you know, I want you to know that when it comes to sexuality, this is this is one this is an amazing thing. In many times, while man is more than ready, I call it high. Man is more than ready to have a intimate relationship, while woman is not what? Totally unready. So men, women are low. Okay? And man is on high, women are on low. How to deal with this? So you come to your wife, middle of the night, honey, you know, let's go to heaven, or let's do something. Or, and then she goes, who are you? I don't know you. <laughs> right? Right. And then what do you say? Oops. Woman, submit to your husband. You use that scripture. <laughs> and that's very unromantic, right? Right, right. And then, you know, oftentimes, I mean, I, I will be honest with you. I've been in counseling session where... A lot of people like give in, and then because husband is just nudging and nudging, and then you give in, and then you go like, okay, you have five minutes to finish, you know. <laughs> and then not only, not only, not only your wife feels cheapened by it, also you don't feel empowered, right? You don't feel empowered as a man. It is very important for men to be empowered even in the realm of intimate relationship. So how do we do this? Since we don't have a lot of time, I'm going to just bring everything together. And how do we do this? Men are visual. So they look at, they look at, you know, woman, they look at his wife and then, you know, their wives and then they get excited. But women don't get excited by looking at their husband's <laughs> naked body. <laughs> One woman even said, oh, please stay away, you know, it's kind of. <laughs> and so how do we allow her to be ready when you are more than ready? I use the, uh, I use the theology of incarnation on this. <laughs> what? You never heard this. Don't write on it because I'm writing a book about it. It says, like Jesus had come down from heaven to this earth. Husband needs to come down from where he was, where he is. Come down to her level. And then learning to be non-sexual. What? Learning to be non-sexual. Learning to bring companionship to marriage. In that, when man gets married, their number one goal in marriage is, have, is to have a sexual and intimate relationship. While woman, woman's number one need for marriage is what? Companionship. Companionship and to be understood. And then their sexual need is number, guess what? 
Number what? Huh? One. <laughs> You're hoping, definitely not number one for woman. Number, not even ten. Number fourteen. Guess what? Broke your heart. You know, you, do you know what number thirteen is? Shopping. Shopping, no. <laughs> number thirteen for woman is to go and do gardening. That is, that is very telling, isn't it? Very telling, isn't it? Woman, this is, this is a psyche of woman. Woman are rather to go and do gardening with her husband than to have a what? Intimate relationship. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Because, because gardening is non-sexual. When you approach your wife non-sexually, you're treating her as a whole person, right? And when you do gardening, you're being a companion with her. You know what I'm saying? And then women are audio, and therefore you need to talk to her. How often you need to talk to your wife that you love her? <laughs> you know what I mean? You need to often talk to her. And you know what? If a husband believes in the beauty of a wife, she believes in it, right? Her own, her own dignity, her value is affected by it. So women are audio, and that's why Song of Solomon chapter 1, there's a lot of audio, there's a lot of verbal language, okay? And then chapter 2, and you begin to touch her from here, down, and so you become very touchy, and then chapter 3, it is until chapter 3, then you go to, you're ready, woman gets excited, then you go to what? Hilton Hotel together. That's chapter 3. <laughs> That's chapter 3. So here's the key, here's the key. For man to withhold his desire to fulfill himself, takes the love of the cross. Do you know that I bear the cross every day in my home? Before I go to sleep, I bear the cross for not to fall asleep. I bear the cross when I go home cleaning the house. I bear the cross joyfully, learning to bear the cross. When a man models that in the family, guess what happens? This is what happens. Man comes down from heaven. <laughs> Are you coming down? Are you coming down to this earth to be with her? And then you become audio. You talk to her. And you caress her. And then you spend time together. And then what's fascinating is that you allow her to go first through the means of orgasm. And then what happens? Then you go to, after that, you go to the, do you know where you go next? You don't know? You go to the moon together. When I went to Malaysia, talk about this, and then people go crazy. They were like, oh yeah, Pastor, um, even if we may not go, we go to the moon together, and then we bring down moon cake. <laughs> there, there's a very sweet moon cake that they have. It was too sweet for me. 
Give me headache. <laughs> and, so, and so they go crazy when I say, you go to the moon and bring down, what? Moon cake. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is this. If I were to be selfish enough, since I am like goal-oriented, I'm like single-minded, go and try to fulfill myself in an expense of her value, in an expense of her need for companionship, then what happened? I dropped. And she, she drops at the same time. She gets hurt. But then when I came down like Jesus did and allow her to go first and you go to the moon together, then what happens? Your husband, your wife look at you and said, you look at each other, I see, I see a godly man in you. It is God's love that I'm experiencing in my relationship and vice versa. And so, God has created, this is the key, God has created sexuality, even sexuality, in such a way that the essence of it is something that we can only live out according to the gospel. It's gospel's way all the way, even to the bedroom even to our realm of sexuality. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? How many of you can say that it's beautiful? You know, what God made it beautiful, sin made it ugly. Even in the realm of sexuality, God has called us as Christians, called us as Seventh-day Adventists, to restore the sense of beauty that God has given us as a blessing. It's a blessing. We need to go back to the model of, model of God in that we need to restore what God has given us. And let's move on to the next one. Um, sure enough, let's, we, have our, we have our own, yes, you have a question. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it, se it, seems, uh, it seems very one-sided, um, as, as maybe Roman would expect. Well, but he has to go through this particular cycle and this particular... But, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. But the reward of it, reward of it is so great that when you, when you, uh, you know, delay your need to gratify yourself to meet the needs of others, you end up getting much, much more than you ever expected. So that reward is there in such a way that it cannot be compared. You know what I mean? You become a real man. And then your wife become a real woman in a way that she is designed, you know, she is designed to be. Agape, agape love needs to be a way of life that permeates every aspect of our lives. And you know what? With the remainder of time we have, we're supposed to finish 445, right? Okay, I'm going to talk about this. And then you can just uh, go over it with yourself. Well, I'm going to talk about... <laughs> no, 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 I will answer it. I will answer it. <laughs> Well, I will further coach you, okay? I'll further coach you. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'll for, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave you hanging. And then, yeah, yeah one, one, one time after I did the discipleship, one guy came up to me and said, Pastor, um, how do we, can you help us to go to the moon? 
we haven't even taken off. <laughs> so, so anyway, anyway, let's do this. So not only our brain is wired differently, okay, that's the second point that I'm trying to say. Um, men are created in such a way, men and women are created in such a way that our love language is different. This is important. Our love language is different. different. Uh, let me see if I have it here. Uh, yeah, right here. Okay. Um, man's love language is what? Respect. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, uh, it says that men are called, okay, I think we have it, we have it here, yeah, wife must what? Respect her husband. And wife submit to your husband as to the Lord. So verse 333 gives us a very clear clue where man's love language is respect. When man is respect, they feel loved. Mm -hmm. If you want to study more about that, study the book that is written by Dr. Egridge, E-G-G-R-I, uh, you know, Egridge, E-G-G-R-I-G, -G, -G, G or C-H, Egridge. And he wrote the book called, um, you know, Men Are... Yeah, the, how to respect and respect and love, right? Love and respect. That's a very powerful book. And then the word respect came from Greek. Uh, it, it, it is called phobeo. Can you follow after me? Phobeo. Phobeo. That's the word. Phobeo. You know what phobeo means? It means when you go to the, you know, Grand Canyon, okay? You drive like seven hours just to go to Grand Canyon. And then you look at the gigantic, I mean, you know, gigantic Grand Canyon, and then what, what would be your response always? It's like, wow. So, phobeo means what? Wow. Looking at your husband, you go like what? Wow. Let's try that, all the ladies, all the ladies. Okay. <laughs> Let's try that. Everyone? Everyone said? Wow. Wow. So, one lady came up to me and, oh, Pastor, that's a problem. I know the Bible wants me to do it, but when I look at my husband, I don't get to, wow. Uh, I, I can't do that, Pastor. If you live with, 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 if live with him for 24 hours, you will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but phobeo is something that you do because of what he does, who he is, I mean, what he does to you. Not because he's what? He is... He is deserving it, so to speak. Not because he has earned it. But you give it to him as you are graced by God to do it. Yes. So the key is this. Key is this. This is, this is the hard part. But this is the only way to work. As you are graced by God, God has graced you. Therefore, you are what? Gracing your husband by way of giving him the respect that he needs, he may not deserve it, but that's what he needs. Yeah, one time I thought that my wife was respecting me really, really well. So I got so excited, and then I told her, hey, honey, it must be easier now for you to respect me. 
there's so much self-promotion there. <laughs> and then the answer, response that my wife gave me, it just blew me away. And then I regret it for asking that kind of question. <laughs> and then she goes, honey, for me to respect you is a moment-by-moment -moment struggle between good and evil. <laughs> she said, naturally, she's not wired to respect me. Wanting to be equal with me, thinking that if I do respect you, then I'm any lower, whatever. I am, it's not natural to me, she said. She has to pray and she has to seek God. She has to see God in front of you to respect you or behind you and respect you. But she did learn to respect. And, and what it does to men is amazing. They did a study on men, whether or not, if they have a choice between the two, I want you to make a choice, all the men. I want you to make a choice, okay? Whether you would be, uh, you would be so powerless and so that you become ignored and disrespected, or you would be so lonely, okay? and isolated. Which one would you choose? Between being isolated, lonely and isolated, or disrespected? Lonely and isolated. Lonely and isolated. 75% of men says they rather deal with isolation than to be what? Disrespected. disrespected. I mean, we're talking about Christian men. And then 75% of that same Christian men says that they are not getting the respect that they need from their home. And then I came to realize that respect is the love language that feeds them in such a way that, that it builds them up as person. Second Peter, I don't have time to read it, write it down. Second Peter chapter three verse one. There it is. Second uh, first Peter chapter three verse one. It says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Look at this. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be what? Won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. It's going to transform even your husband. Of course, you don't do that to transform him, but you do that as you learn to be purified before God. How many ladies in this room, at the end of your life, God forbid, end of your life, you'll be in a place where you're resenting and you're just full of regret and full of resentment toward your husband? We don't want that. I mean, that can be a source of sickness in our lives, right? And so here, the scripture tells us that God doesn't want us to be resentful, and God does want us to be respectful to our husband, no matter what, it is something that God does for us. And one lady came, went home and said, you know what, I'm going to pay respect to my husband. But her husband is alcoholic. How can I respect my husband who's sometimes beating me up and all that? Of course, when there's abuse, you got to separate and all that. I'm fully aware of that. And she started praying and praying, Lord, give me some reason to be thankful for, for my husband before I do anything.
One month into prayer, Lord answered her prayer, and then she started getting these points that she never thought about her husband in terms of his strength. He said, wow, Lord, I never knew that. My husband, no matter how drunk he may get, he finds the way home. <laughs> so so she, she's like, man, this is a miracle. God is with him. God is leading him home. And no matter how drunk he may get, he always allow them to go to church and sometimes give them money to put it in the plate, offering basket. She started to praise God. She started to think about the positive things about her husband. And then even when she brought food to him, her countenance changed. And guess what he said? Honey, you look different. You treat me differently. How come you never ask me to join your church? And that guy started coming to church. I went to a church where he came. This guy came. And this guy was singing loudest than anybody else. But he didn't know how to sing. He was bring, bringing the sound all down the drain, and he knew how to, like, but, but he was just, like, praising God. And afterwards, I asked him, how, how, how in the world you were able to really get excited about God? And she goes, my God graced me through my wife. My God graced me through my wife. I don't deserve to be respected, but it literally transformed him. Guess what? What do I get when I respect my husband? Okay, he gets transformed, but what do I get? Do you know that I have all the slides, but let's just sum it up. When you're when when woman receive when man receive the respect from his wife, he is someone who is willing to die for somebody who would give you the honor. Just like the soldier go to Iraq and willing to die for the, for the honor that they receive. So when men receive respect, what do you get? Of course, you don't do that to, to receive the kind of love that you need. But that's what God wants us to do. That is pay respect. And, and I tell you, respect does a lot. I, I, let me give you an example. Move on to love. And my wife you know, learn how to respect me in a way that she would pray for me. She would pray for me. And then when we were living in the canyon area in, in California, whenever I opened the door in the morning, it clicks and the sound just permeates throughout the whole house. So I, in order for me to come to West East Coast, I had to get up 4 o'clock in the morning and I would get up and I had my, you know, clothes outside, you know, everything outside. So I would just come out because I don't want to wake up my wife. I come out and I wear my, you know, my clothes and then I took my baggage and I was coming out and then I made that clicking sound. And then I got, got in my car, get in my car, and then the way the road works, I have to go up a little bit and come down. As I was about to come down, I almost naturally rolled down the window because even though I tell her not to come out, she comes out on her pajamas, 4 o'clock in the morning. 
And she looked at me as I was passing, you know, by the street. She looked at me with a loud voice. She was like, honey, I'm praying for you. <laughs> when I hear that, when I hear that, I, I don't have a sports car. But I found myself accelerating. <laughs> when men are respected, they feel like they're on the top of the world. But when they are not respected, they feel like dying. And not only that, they feel like they have this anger, even though that anger cannot be justified. And then when they realize that their anger can be destructive, and they ended up withdrawing themselves from being isolated, going into their own cave, and then men become quiet. When women become quiet, oftentimes they become quiet sometimes because they're satisfied. Like, hmm, they get quiet. But when man gets really quiet, it becomes a sign of sickness because male inexpressiveness is a result of sin. Result, you know what happened to Cain? He became really quiet. God kept having to ask him questions. You know, so woman's heart opens up the heart of man in such a way that it brings the heart of man opens up, and that key is respect. I'm going to give you one example. One time I gave this seminar, and one lady came up to me. Is there any hope? My husband already left me. And he's a medical doctor, and we're we're about to file lawsuit, you know, you know, the the divorce suit and all that stuff. We're about to go through the process. I said, "Give it a try. I'm going to pray for you. Give it a try." So she wrote a letter to him, "Honey, I apologize. I'm so sorry that I have been disrespectful to you. But in my own mind." For someone who could give me, for someone only, you are the only person who could give me. When you are withdrawing, loving me, I thought you would be the most selfish person in the whole world. So I treated you badly, and I hurted you so much in the process. If you can give me one more chance for me to practice respect on you, I would like to have that chance. I'm not begging, but I'm asking. You need to make that choice. But I already made that choice to respect you. And in the end, at the end of the letter, she goes, with respect. Guess what happened? He responded. And then they came together. And then she goes, you know, I respect you. I said, he goes, why? <laughs> and, he, and she goes, you know, I respect you because you are a great surgeon and you, you love your patients. Sometimes I had issues with that, but, but you care for them so much and you go out and provide for our family, blah, blah, blah. And then in the end, have a great day. And on the way home, not only he came earlier and he called her and said, honey, don't make any food because I'm bringing your best choice of food, which is, I don't know if they have it here, round table pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and their marriage was getting restored. And of course, you know, it may not be that simple. 
For language for man, for love, is what? Respect. And then give me just, just a few seconds to finish up. Woman's, woman's language for love is what? Woman's language for love is, according to this passage, if you go on, is fobeo. I mean, woman's language for love is agape. I call it affection. Affection. Affection is an amazing, amazing word. You know, when I look at my daughter and I said to her, you're so cute. And when they're little, they're like really enjoying it. My daughter, my last daughter would come to me and, daddy, come to my bed. And I'll go to her bed and I would have to lie down with her. And then she would go like, Hi, daddy, how much you love me? And first thing she said, if I lose my arm, will you give me your arm? So I gave her right arm. If I lose my left arm, will you give me my left arm? So I lose all the arms and legs and everything. <laughs> and after I, after I lose everything, and then she goes, only things left is my heart. <laughs> and then, Dad, how much you love me? And I need to be a poet. My love for you is uh, greater than the mountain, deeper than the ocean. <laughs> Man, that girl wanted to hear that every night, and I have to, like, you know, wrecking my brain to come up with new poem every night. That's how women are wired. And then when she grew up to be, like, 16 and 17, I would go up and say, hey, I love you. You're so pretty. And then, hey, Dad, don't do that. But then deep inside, she loves it. She loves it, no matter how old you may be. There's still a girl within wanting to be cherished, wanting to be caressed, and wanting to be, you know, to receive that kind of affection. But I want to tell you this in closing. What we need, what women need from us, what we need from each other is a pure love. That's something that God can only give us. And I tell you, I, I can testify to you today that God has saved my marriage because what? because he has given me that love for my wife. And then my wife was able to give me that love in return. And I said to you that I was just praising God for that because it is God who gives us the pure heart for each other. That's agape love that comes from God. We need to ask for it. I was, I was even at the bottom of my life asking for that love. And God was gracious enough to uh, give me that love that we need for each other. So I'm going to close with this because time is already up. And if you have more questions, you can come to me and we can discuss more. Um, you know what? Um, actually, let me, uh, sorry about this. Let me just finish with this because this is, this is an amazing thing. Adam fell asleep and then God brought Eve and then second Adam died and then what? Church was born and then man needs to die to self and then woman was born. You see? We need to die to self. And then woman needs to die to self in order to respect her husband. And it is possible through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to end with this, uh, how to agape your wife, okay? A couple of things. Let me just go through it. Are you willing to? Yeah, yeah okay. This is important. Express affection through words and through actions, okay? Express your appreciation in daily routine of life. Yeah, you learn to appreciate it. And then celebrate birthdays and anniversary. I'm sure you guys do a lot better than Asian people do. Be considerate of her needs before yours. Inform her and prepare her ahead of time. This is important. When you have a hit the traffic, don't let her wait on you without knowing anything. Inform her. Let her know ahead of time. 
you know, so that she would be prepared. And then go on, on a regular date and be helpful rather than just rushing, especially on Sabbath, right? You know what I mean? Man gets ready in five minutes, but woman takes 30 minutes at least, right? Know when to make it restful by knowing the pace of the family. That's important. I was going 100 miles an hour not knowing the pace of my wife that she needs. And hold hands to pray and fulfill emotional and intimate needs. And, you know, don't think that woman has an intimate need. They, we all do have that intimate need. Need to be reminded that we're loved understanding years when things are rough and take time to laugh and enjoy each other. Um, how to respect. This is important. I want to show you how to respect. You know, I'm rushing it because usually it takes like hour and a half to go through all this. But okay, how to respect. Number one, don't try to change him first. Don't try to change. If you try to change him, he, he will not change. S stop nagging or giving advices. Accept him for who he is. Appreciate in small things. Do not become anger-based or bitter. Nurture care and improve self without being dependent. And then don't put down in front of children. Very, very important. When you do that, that's very detrimental. Leave ultimate decision to him, especially when, when ideas are divided. And increase in knowledge and wisdom for women. For women to read books and continue to nurture yourself to grow is very important. Beautify yourself at home because men are visual. You know what I mean? Don't go around with pajamas all the time. No, not that you guys are doing it. Enjoy him. Enjoy lead, you know, leading him in intimate relationship. Instead of just waiting on him, sometimes good for you to take the initiative and so forth. You know, somebody needs to start. We can start it when you receive the grace from God and you are the one who initiated it. And then God begins to transform your relationship. Amen? Okay. And thank you for your time. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.